encouraged by it. So just thankful. But let's get right into it. Uh, get your Bibles out to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8 is the text I'll read for us. We will uh, mention all of it. We will not go through every bit of it. So don't hear eight verses and like start freaking out. We're going to be here until 2 o'clock. <clears throat> but for, for, our, for our text this morning, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 through 8 together. Paul writing says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober, sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. So this morning we're entering into our, our second week of the discussion of our vision statement, which Jim uh, said for us earlier in our service already, but our vision statement is Technically this, something along these lines, as we exist, right, to glorify God by empowering, I have all of Christ's people to worship Him with all of their lives and to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to respond to the gospel. Now when you look at this mission statement, it really breaks its vision statement, it breaks down to three places. We have God, we exist to glorify God. His church, empowering all of Christ's people to worship Him with all of their lives or to live faithful lives of worship and to give every man, and the mission to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to respond to the gospel. Our vision is glorifying God, edification and building up of the church so that it can be on mission in the world. Last week we put our focus briefly on the first component, right? That we exist to glorify God. That what we are about is the, the treasuring, the honoring of Christ, the magnifying of God's name and His glory, His fame throughout the world. The passage that we used was 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. And I only bring it up again because you need to have that verse stuck in your, I was going to say back pocket, but that's not, maybe your breast pocket. Like when I stuck it here in the front, you want to keep it close to your heart. That uh, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it all to the glory of God. All of life is to be lived to the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 
1 Corinthians 10.31. Memorize it. Think on it. Meditate on it. Pray it. Preach it to yourself. Uh, live with this verse. But this week we're moving on to the second proposition concerning God's church. We exist to glorify God by empowering all of Christ's people to worship Him with all of their lives. Or you could say that we, we exist to empower Christ's people to live a faithful life of worship. The core conviction coming out of this vision, this section of the vision statement is that whatever God is going to do in the world, He is going to do it through all of God's people. So those are based... This is the core conviction underlying this. That we exist to empower all of Christ's people to live, to worship Him with all of their lives. The conviction is that whatever God is doing, He's going to be doing it through all of His people. So I kind of have toyed with the language by saying... We exist to empower all of Christ's people to worship Him with all of their lives. But however we're going to frost the cake, the ingredients are all the same. We exist to empower the church to be who they're supposed to be. We exist that, that whatever, that, because whatever God is going to do in the world, He's going to do through all of Christ's people. Now this is implied all over the text. We can go through our Bibles and look at all the places that, that this is implied. And you'll... You'll see this many times as you're reading through your Bible. You know, you think about the genealogy sections. I mean, who else? People say they hate them in their Bible reading program, but they're one of my favorites. Because you just kind of, you just kind of, you can nail out a whole chapter real quick. And then I know you're supposed to, I know that you all are way more pious than I am. And you actually probably read out each name specifically and take your time and do the risk, the research and, you know, check and see who this person is. But those names, you know, why are they in there? And there's lots of reasons. It grounds the text in historical reality that there are real people involved and this, is, this like has like real space-time reality. But another reason that I think it's in there is it's showing that this project that God is, is this mission that God is on involves real people and a lot of them. That, that God is not just, though we have our big figures throughout the Old Testament that we could talk about, right, with... You know, Adam and Eve and Abraham and, and Moses and David and all the patriarchs. We have, we have this Israel, Jacob, Isaac. We have this, we have these, um, Israel is Jacob, Jacob and Isaac. Uh, my bad. Uh, we have all these big figures, but, but there, are, there is this rep, their reputation, this pattern that God is moving his, through all of his people, a lot of his people. Um, it's part of the biblical narrative that God wants all of His people spread out into all of His world to accomplish His mission, which is His worship, the glory of His name. Look with me just quickly. We're going to go to Genesis. We won't spend much time here, but just, you know, it's just us, and so we can do a little Bible workout together. Genesis 1.28, we hear this first commission to the people of God. Genesis 1.28 God blesses them. He's made Adam and Eve in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And then God blesses them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. They set about his work. Being fruitful, multiplying, and filling the earth. That God's people, as he has made them, are to be sent. And to be about the business, not just Adam, not just Eve. Not just some of their offspring, but a multiplication that all of God's people are to be spread out, 
doing the work of magnifying God. And now we see that this goes bad, right? We no shock. I don't want to spoil the story for you, but you read on in Genesis two and three. Sin enters the world, and this gets broken. And we have um, we have the flood comes in in Genesis chapter six, where the world is judged, and but say, but that then God's people are saved through Noah and his family. And if you look back at Genesis nine, after this, we see the same commission. So Noah, just this small family has been saved through the waters of judgment. They've been saved, Noah and his family. And they, they land, the, the waters recede. Chapter 9, verse 1 of Genesis, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, see if this is familiar to you, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Oh, well, I've heard that before somewhere. That, that God is always through his people, at the work of spreading them throughout the world, all of them, the multiplication takes everyone doing their part, multiplying and filling the earth. And so what happens, though, after chapter 9? This is a a fun story. Um, We we often talk about or know about the the Tower of Babel. And, And God's people are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But they fail to do this. Sin is still in the world. And we see that clearly right after Noah and his family gets off the ark. But with Babel, they're supposed to be spreading. And and in fact, we see in chapter 10, they do end up getting spread. Chapter 10, verse 32 of Genesis. These are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, in their nations. And from the nations spread spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So they spread out. They obey. But chapter 11 gives us the details of kind of how God had to make that happen, that the people decided what we're going to do is we're going to make really good bricks and and mortar, and we're going to build a big tower for ourselves and for our names, and we're going to dwell safe and secure. We're going to build our little huddle, and we're just going to enjoy ourselves and just be safe and wonderful, and won't it be nice to be safe and secure? And God has to come in and wreck that whole project because what he's desiring is for all of his people to be filling the earth, to be spreading out, proclaiming the glory of his name, living faithful lives of worship, worshiping him with all of their lives. And so he confuses their language. But we know that the reason why he does this, yes, is because of their sinfulness, their idolatry. But verse 9 says this place was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over all the face of the earth. So God is about this project of of glorifying His name, that the worship of Jesus would exist, the worship of God, the worship of the Creator of the universe, as the one who all things have come from, and the one who all things are for. And He wants to see all of His people, and so He is at this work of spreading his people so that all of them would be filling the world with his glory and with his worship. So that we could we could continue on. We're not going to. So what we're going to do is the New Testament oftentimes in because it's written in a different style, it's not the narrative, it is didactic. It's, it's teaching. Chapter 12 verse 1 of Romans. I think it's Paul kind of taking this whole idea of we are called to be God's people on mission in the world, all of us doing the job of 
living him for him with all of our lives. So Paul is talking about here in the New Testament in Romans chapter 12. I bring up these two passages in these first two talks because sermons, whatever, because um, I think these are great passages to just how can we summarize? How do we know that God's word that we exist to glorify God? First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. How do we know that all of our lives are to be given in faithful worship to Him? That all of us, that all our lives, the lives of all of us are to be given as to as in faithful worship to Him? Well, Romans twelve one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Much like we've been studying the book of Ephesians, and you know it's broken up into two halves. Jim's talked about this, right? That Ephesians 1 through 3 is kind of the theology, the, how God has done this, how God has moved in our lives, what the reality of the gospel, how he's taken these two people and made them one group in Jesus Christ. And, and then chapter 4 that we're getting into this week is going to move into more how that works out in your life. It's kind of more of application, which is it's a, it's a good way to write it down. Well, Paul has done the same thing really here in Romans, where chapters 1 through basically 11 are just a lot of theology, telling us about the gospel. Chapter 3, chapters 1 through 3, you're diving into the sinfulness of man, and then we get to this the wonderful turn in Romans 3.21 that we are justified by faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, that we all deserve sin and death and wrath because Christ came to the earth and took our wrath upon himself, that Everyone who looks upon him with faith can be forgiven of their sin, made righteous in his sight. Chapter 4, Abraham. Chapter 5 talks about uh, this, the first Adam and the second Adam and all this good theology. Romans chapter 8, beautiful chapter. 9, 10, and 11. How God's people in the Old Testament, how this all fits together in making one person, one church, one people of God for his glory. And then chapter 12 launches into... Here's practical application. Here's how all this theology works out in your life. He launches into chapter 12. And we know that they're connected because, right, we're, we're learning, all of us, how to be good Bible studiers. Chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, right? So he's connecting all that's come before this, therefore, because of all of this, because of who Jesus is and what he has done, therefore, here is your response. And so therefore, he says, brothers, meaning brothers and sisters, it's a term bringing of all of the family of God, by the mercies of God. The first thing I want us to notice in this text is it's all by the mercies of God. We want to be, we are uh, radically tethered and passionate about the truth that all of this is grounded upon the gospel. You listen back to Jim's sermon, and he's the first point he's bringing up is that this is all about the gospel. This is all because of the mercies of God. Missio must remain tethered to this reality that it is Jesus who has saved us. It is His good news that we are sharing. 
we are convinced of the centrality of the gospel. By His mercy, He has redeemed a people for Himself who will one day enjoy a redeemed world. Why is it called His mercies? It's because this isn't anything we do to earn it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, the gospel is the good news that though you could not save yourself, Christ has come to save you from your sins by the sacrifice of Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish. What do they do? Nothing. They believe. They, they set their eyes upon Christ. Would not perish but have everlasting life. So because of these mercies then, because of this good gospel message that we have heard, we then present your bodies. Present your bodies. Now, is that just meaning, okay, my physical body, here I sit on a Sunday morning, I have fulfilled this text, I am presenting my body, my mind is thinking about 2 o'clock when the Chiefs play or whatever, which, who's this? The bills are out, who cares anymore, right? Am I right? Joel, am I right? <laughs> who cares anymore? But my body's here. My mind is a thousand places. I'm thinking about what's going to happen this afternoon. I'm thinking about, I've got these, you know, I've got my mind is a million places. My heart isn't really here, but my body's here. I'm fulfilling Romans 12, 1. All right, present my body. No, that's, that's, uh, that's not what Paul is talking about. This is, a, this is a term for the whole person. The body and soul, heart and mind and body. Yes, the whole person. Yes, the body does matter. We have a theology of the Imago Dei. The body does matter. But Paul is talking about here the whole person, the whole self. Present your bodies, all that you have, as living sacrifices. Our whole selves are to be given to God. They are to be sacrifices, but an interesting kind of a sacrifice. Because when you read the Old Testament and you're talking about sacrifices, what happens to sacrifices? They're, 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 they're consumed. They're used up. If it's an animal, it's killed. Its, it's throat is split and blood is put upon the altar and then the rest of it is gone to feed the, the, Levitical, uh, the Levitical tribe. If it's a burnt offering, you bring your grain, you set on the altar, you light fire to it, it's gone. It's an incense. It, it goes up. If it's a drink offering, it's poured out. You don't like, you don't, you don't, it's, it's used up. So Paul brings this interesting term to call us a living sacrifice. Think of the term in baseball or, or softball. Like, what's a sacrifice fly? I think I know what this is, right? A sacrifice fly is when, you know, you got somebody on base, hopefully third base, and you, have, you need to score a run, but there's only one out, so you can go ahead and hit a pop fly real high out into the outfield, and then by the time they catch it, the, the, the batter's going to go out. They're sacrificing themselves. Their turn is over, but something has been accomplished by their sacrifice. Their, their turn is used up. That's why it's a sacrifice. But Paul here is talking about us being a living sacrifice given to God absolutely, though not by our death, but by our living for him. So, is Christianity about living or dying? Is Christianity about living or dying? And the answer to that 
is yes. <laughs> right? I, mean, I, hate, I hate when guys do that, but it's like, you know, it's a false dichotomy. Is Christianity about living or about dying? Yes. Yes, it is. Think of a passage like Romans 6, 11. It says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Is Christianity about being dead or alive? Yeah. Dead to sin. Dead to self. Dead, dead to my, my carnal inclinations. But alive unto God. Dead as a sacrifice? Yes. But living. A living sacrifice. Dead to sin and self. But alive unto God. That's what the waters of baptism are symbolizing, right? When we go down into the waters, we have died with Christ. Our old life is dead. Our sin nature is to die. And then we don't stay under the water, right? Thank goodness. You're, you're here with us today because we did not leave you under the waters. But you are up out of the waters, right? Symbolizing that the Christian has died yet lives a new life. We are to be living sacrifices. Christianity is, yes, about your death to self and to your old life but about your resurrection, now living for God. He calls us living sacrifices. And when we do this, present our whole bodies, living sacrifices to Him, this is worship. That's worship. Now, just instinctually, when I say we're going, if I were to say to you, hey, let's worship together, what would I mean? What do I mean, worship? We're gonna, let's, let's go worship we're going to get the guitar out. We're going to, well, okay, thank you. And I, that's probably, that's a more correct answer. That, that we're, it's a, it's a formal gathering of like, we're going to sing songs. We're going to worship. People will have praise and worship albums or whatever. And it's meaning like, and there is a way to use the word that does mean worship in that way. The Bible uses that word that, that in that way to, to worship God, meaning the formal gathering of God's people. But Paul isn't using it that way here. Because he's saying you're presenting your whole selves, all of your life to him. And that is worship. That's worship. To present, to give yourself to God, to say my whole life is yours, all of my life is yours, is worship. Paul is talking about the reality that when Christ's people give him all of their lives, that is worship. So when we talk about the, the vision statement that we exist to empower all of Christ's people to worship Him with all of their lives or to live faithful lives of worship. How do we do that? How are we going to do that? Well, let me take you down a radical path. As the rest of the text this morning reads here in Romans chapter 12, God does His work through everyone being faithful in the place that God has put them with the gifts that God has given them. God does His work through everyone. Can you hear my voice this morning? You're included in this. If you're a part of Christ's church, God does His work through everyone, having radical, you know, walking around with guitars and leading people in song all the time, worshiping God with, by singing all the time. You know, I don't, as the mailman, should I walk around and just be singing praise hymns that people can worship with me? No, that's not, but, but by being faithful in the place that God has put them with the gifts that God has given them. Here's a weird thing some churches do. They try to make you feel special with a specific title 
or a job. Now, we certainly will have jobs, things need to get done. We'll have elders, deacons, various things that need to get done. You'll, you'll, get, you'll, you'll have things, we all have things to do. But here's the reality. If you're a member of Christ Church, or specifically a member of Missio Church in Mount Air, you already have a role in Christ Church. It's, it's, it's a member of Christ Church. That's the role. That's the office. God does His work through everyone being faithful in the place that God has put them with the gifts that God has given them. So while I think that there is an overinflation of um, the self, and so often I'll tell you, and I think I said it, I might have said it the first week we were here. Um, what well, I will often say to you is that you aren't all that important. Jesus is. It's his mission. He's the one that matters. And we're just called into that. So while I will emphasize that to push against our sort of navel-gazing self-focus that I'm the most important thing in the world, I push back on that by saying, listen, you're fine, but you're the flower fading. You're the, the grass withering. You're the dust that blown away and forgotten tomorrow. We want to live for something bigger than ourselves. I will say that again. However, I won't say this all the time, but listen to me. <laughs> and this one moment, though I would say that, the, that you are not all that important, it is Jesus who is, the other side of the coin is this. Are you ready? You are important. You do matter. You do have a place in Christ's church. God does his work through the empowering of all of his people. What he's going to do in the world, he's going to do through all of his people. Not just a few specially called out leaders, though there is leadership in the church. The way God does it is by the spreading of all of his people into all of the world, into the places that they have been put, using the gifts that they have been given for the growing of this, this good news, the growing of the glorification of God. If I didn't believe every member mattered, I wouldn't be up here. Why am I bothering to do this? Because there is a specific role each one has been placed in. To use the gifts they've been given to try to edify the church where they are for the spread of the gospel. We all have our place, our places that God has put us in, and we all have gifts that God has given us, and all of them are to be used to glorify God and for the good of God's people. This is living a faithful life of worship. So, Missio members, as you're working, we're all thinking and forming, and we're not even Missio officially yet, though we like to call it that. We're, we're getting there, and we will have a celebration in the future of signing on as, yes, we are members together of this local representation of what God is doing as Missio Church. So, Missio members, lead your families in the pursuit of Christ. Plan out how you're going to make that happen. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers with children. If you're single, if you have friends, how are you going to, within this congregation here, how are you going to lead those who are in your circle towards Jesus? Families, parents, lead your families in the pursuit of Christ. Get a catechism. Start with a 30-second prayer before meals. Read a kid's Bible together. Sing together. And I'll be honest, this is hard. Anyone who says, oh, this is easy. No, praying together for 30 seconds before the meal is hard. It is. <laughs> I live with lots of monkeys. You know, I'm one of the biggest monkeys in my house. You know, the zoo that my house is. 
It's worth it. It is how, it is one of the ways that we, in the place where God has put us, live faithful lives of worship. I mean, honestly, this this can be one of the most radical things that we honestly can do as a church body. Is to keep those sorts of focuses central to who we are. I love this. I love getting together. I love worshiping. I love singing. You do all sound beautiful, though I couldn't get the H back to shut off this morning. I, you tried to? It won't shut off. It's all noisy the whole time. Instead of shutting off occasionally, you're just going to run the whole time. Perfect. That worked well. The enemy is alive. Uh, but this is great. But honestly, the. We are most dangerous to the forces of darkness and most advancing the causes of Jesus Christ when this goes home. When your marriage has Jesus at the center of it. When your meals have Jesus, when your kitchen table has Jesus at the center of it. That's where we are most effective. That's where we want to be empowering you in to, for all of Christ's people to live faithful lives of worship, to serve worship with all of their lives. That's where this church can honestly be different. Missio members, all of life for Him. Missio members, pray for one another. A great question to ask, how can I be praying for you? Don't, don't be offended. Like so many times, well, you think something's wrong with me? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to honestly say, how can I pray for you? What's going on with you? I want to know you and I want to care for you. I want to minister to you. And then here's a crazy idea. When they say something, pray for each other. What if we build a community and a, and a fellowship that honestly, when I say to Dennis, you know, whatever moment, well, how can I pray for you? He says something, and then we just, this is wild, just pray. All of Christ's people being mobilized in all of their lives. Missio members preach the gospel to one another. Next week, Jim's going to walk us through that the last section of the making sure and having a responsibility for a geography is kind of some of the language. We have accountability for a certain area. Making sure the gospel goes to our neighbors, every man, woman, and child, repeated opportunities to hear the gospel. But if we can't share the gospel and gospel each other in here, ain't no way we're going to be able to have it be presentable in a way that's appealing to those out there. If we can't say to each other, confession of sin, what Christ has done for you, here's how you're forgiven, here's the blessed future that we're all living for. If we can't do that here, if we can't gospel each other here, we're going to have a lot of trouble getting it out there. Figure out what your gifts are, Missio, and use them to bless one another. The truth we want to live by Whatever God is doing in the world, He is doing it through all of His people. Every member lives on mission. And every member is essential for the mission. Close with Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 16. Writer of Hebrews, having the same sort of idea, he says this, Through Him then, meaning Jesus, through through Him let let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father, we do desire that what 
happens here at Missio God is not building a tower of Babel of sorts. We don't want to just build a, a building that has our name on it that makes us feel safe and secure. That's not your mission. The mission is the spreading of the Gospel to the ends of the earth. And that means God move in us. Empower us. And may we empower one another. May we make it central at who we are. The empowerment of one another. All of Christ's people to live for You with and worship You with all of our lives, God. Because we believe whatever You're doing, You're doing through all of Your people. So strengthen us, God. Give us eyes to see. Father, give us, give us hearts to see both these realities. Our smallness, Your largeness, and yet, God, the incredible blessing You have given us by bringing us into Your mission that we might live lives that do matter. That we might live lives that do have eternal significance. God, may we all join together in this heartbeat for the glory of Your name. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.